0: listeners. It's that time. It's time for My Yoga Audio, where there's always room for your mind to be on the mat. And I'm your host, Megan Morgan. And as you know, Maya Conversation episodes feature fantastic people doing really great things in the world. And today, I'm so thrilled to introduce you all to Riva Jean Paul, who specializes in helping free-spirited women find health, harmony, and heart-centered living. Riva and I met about five years ago when we were both fitness instructors at a local gym here in Sacramento, California. And we saw each other two to three times a week as we transitioned from one of our classes into another. And we've always enjoyed chatting. After COVID-19 shut everything down and we ended up connecting again in person and have been hosting seasonal and even monthly outdoor mini retreats in a local park that include a combination of yoga, wellness, delicious food and giveaway goodie bags sourced from local entrepreneurs. Riva does health and fitness coaching, is a hoop and dance movement expert, and is very connected and an intuitive woman who advocates for self-care and connecting in community. Riva, welcome to the show. Hi, Megan. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. I'm glad you were able to make it today. Yeah, so happy to be here. That was quite the
1: introduction, too, so thank you. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on here. We know each other, I feel like, pretty well personally, but it's nice to also have you come on this format of the show, something that I really enjoy doing. So before we get into all the questions, just want to make a little correction. So Riva is actually, her name is pronounced Riva Jean-Paul, which is a French pronunciation, and I should know better because I'm a Canadian and have (laughs) many Haitian-American and Haitian-Canadian friends. So just want to acknowledge that pronunciation. So Reba, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks again for having me. Super excited to be here with you. I wondered if you would sort of give us a little intro about yourself, but also a breakdown of your health, wellness, and fitness journey and how you got started on this path you're on and what led you to pursue and share a life of wellness with others.
1: Yeah, I would love to. So for me, movement has always been a part of my life. Growing up in a military family, My dad was always into running, and he was always fairly active, and I went on my first run with him when I was about nine years old, and I remember really enjoying it, and I didn't become a serious runner by any means, but this is just to kind of show you how it's always been an ongoing theme in my life. When my dad was stationed to Puerto Rico, we lived on a military base there, And it was always really important that for my parents um, that I was staying active and trying new things. So I was in a variety of sports, you know, around, you know, early elementary school, as I'm sure, you know, most of us try lots of things at that age. Uh, And then I, I wasn't really connected to sports. And so I wound up not really doing any for the later half of my time there. But I remember always being on like adventures with my friends, walking and hiking and just kind of discovering things along the beaches and in the jungles there. And then when I moved to Washington, I started playing volleyball once I got into junior high. And I remember really loving volleyball. Of course, it got to a point where some of the girls became a bit more competitive. So to say, you know, I was always really short and they were really tall. I just was not built for volleyball. (laughs) Uh, And so my career ended rather quickly once, you know, we started getting to that competitive level. And even though I wasn't in sports anymore, I'd still always kind of come back to fitness I got a membership at a 24-hour fitness that was down the street from where I lived with my mom. And not long after that, I actually got a job at the 24-hour fitness and I worked the front desk. And then once I was in my junior year of high school, I joined a program called Running Start that allowed me to go to community college instead of high school. And so I actually did that my whole junior and senior year. And one thing that was really cool to me was that the community college, I could take PE classes and you know most high schools aren't teaching I mean some elementary schools aren't even doing PE classes anymore and I always really missed that so I pretty much always had at least one or two PE classes and I I did volleyball I did cardio conditioning and I did yoga too actually I started taking yoga classes at the 24-hour fitness and I did a little bit of Bikram yoga again it was always something I was kind of in and out of but always came back to When I graduated community college with my associate's degree, I actually asked my parents for a yoga retreat uh, for a celebration. And so I went on this yoga retreat for three days by myself on Whippy Island. And it was a pretty cool experience, especially to have at that age. And then once I moved to Sacramento around 2011, gosh, how long has it been now? I, you know, Sac State has a really nice gym. And so I started working out there. And then as most of us do in our early 20s, I became wildly distracted. And I kind of lost touch with a lot of that for an extended period of time. And it wasn't until I found um, hooping, or I like to say when hooping found me, is when I started to get really, really serious about health and wellness. And I started hooping and that kept me really active. I started a hoop troop and we were doing performances around town, making choreographed routines and that kept me really active. And there was something about hooping that I always say kind of awoken something in me that like no other movement had before. Before I had started hooping, I I didn't really have any idea of consciousness or, or what that meant. And hooping really kind of opened that up for me. And it just really made me want to start taking better care of myself so that I could do all of these amazing things with my body. I got really into strength training. Um, I even worked with my uncle for a while. He was a personal trainer. For a while, I thought I was going to get into bodybuilding, which I never wound up getting into. And that was because I had gotten to a point where I was so focused on the exterior that I really wasn't in touch with the interior. And although I was you know, very fit and, you know, lean and have the nice tone muscles and stuff. On the outside, it looked healthy, but on the inside, there were many things that were not healthy. I was living a very restrictive life, always really stressed about just enjoying simple things like a glass of wine at the end of the day or going out to dinner with my friends. I would actually avoid some of these situations because I became so obsessed with, you know, just eating my fish and my vegetables and staying lean and, you know, and skinny, basically. And so once I started dating my now husband, he was actually, he was really supportive and he encouraged me to allow myself to live a little bit more. And I did. And um, while I had started my hoop business, I was looking for other ways I could start to kind of create more streams of revenue. And that led me to become a hoop teacher. I went to a, a hoop lovers coach certification with a woman um, named Deanne Love. And if you're into hooping, um, you know who Deanne Love. She is like what, a household name. And I started doing that for a while. And I started teaching classes around town because I thought if hooping could be so life changing for me and so pivotal in my journey, It could be that for someone else. I I was sure of it. So I started teaching classes around town. And at the time, I was still working in the service industry as a waitress. And I'd done that for about 10 years total. And right around the eighth year, I started getting really stir crazy. I was not happy anymore. It was a somewhat of a toxic environment. And I really wanted to create a life on my own terms. I wanted to be doing something that I loved. I wanted to be excited about what I was waking up and doing every day. And so I asked myself other ways I could do that. And somehow I stumbled upon group fitness. I couldn't even tell you exactly what it was because I never really took a ton of group fitness classes throughout my fitness journey. I mean, I I dabbled here and there, but I was predominantly always one who liked to work out by myself but I became a certified group fitness instructor and um, I started teaching fitness classes and fitness system where we met is actually was my first job in the industry. And so that was really exciting. And they were just open enough to let me bring hooping to the gym. And it's, you know, it's a very unique niche activity that you don't see in mainstream gyms. And so that was a really cool opportunity for me that sort of started my career as a group fitness instructor. And I did that for about three or four years, I'm still doing it now, but just more part-time, I would say. I work for just two contractors now, and I mostly teach my hula hoop classes, but less of the fitness classes. And just along the way, like fitness and wellness and movement has just been so profound in my quality of life and what I believe is possible that it's just become my passion to to share it with as many people as I can. Before I really got into it, I was living life one way and I was, you know, numb and asleep and not feeling well. And once I discovered that life didn't have to be that way, there was just no looking back. And I just love opening up people's minds to to what is really possible when we come from a place that is
0: well. Oh, I love it. (laughs) And I know there's been quite a response this summer or over the last few months you know we've been doing our park retreats together and people really like especially those first couple where hooping was part of it and people came out like they were so excited that you were offering that again so it was beautiful to see everybody come out for you but also like what you share with them in that experience. I think your love of it and your experience of it is like, it's contagious for other people because they can see it's really authentic and it's something you're really excited to do and share with other people. So I think that's amazing. I remember telling people when I was teaching yoga at the gym, and I was like, Oh yeah, the hoop dance instructor came in after me and they're like, wait, what is that? Like, I probably said that a hundred times because people would stop me and ask me, like, what is this hoop dance? And like, they were like, who cares about you? <laughs> they wanted to hear more about that. So I, you're right. I think it is a very niche market. And then once people try it, they're like, oh, tell me more about that. So. That is really cool. I'm glad that you're still doing it, and that kind of gave you the entryway to what was really real for you and a lot of other opportunities, I suspect. Absolutely. And even now i'm I'm still evolving in
1: you know what I'm offering. and now I've been leaning more into holistic things that just aren't centered around movement because as I mentioned, health is about so much more than just our external bodies. And so I've I've been getting more into to breath work and meditation and and sharing a little bit more of that with people as well.
0: Yeah. I wondered if we could dip back into, I maybe we should have started with this question because we were talking about your name. So Reva Jean-Paul, so you have a mixed heritage similar to mine in that one of your parents is black and one is white. Would you mind telling us more about your lineage and how this may or may not have affected your perception of yourself growing up or other people's perception of you, both within your family and then within your friendships and relationships? And I know that's a really big question, but just you know, to the best of your ability and what you feel comfortable sharing. Yeah,
1: absolutely, I, I'm pretty open. I don't mind talking about this at all. My dad is Haitian and my mom is white. And honestly, most of my childhood, it, it wasn't something that I thought much about. We did grow up in, or I grew up, well, I guess my parents spent some time in Southern California as well, in, I would say, predominantly white areas. But it wasn't anything that I ever thought about. It wasn't something that my parents ever made a thing, so to say. And although I lived in these predominantly white areas, I grew up in a military family. And my parents' friends were always, you know, from various backgrounds and ethnicities. And when we lived on a military base in Puerto Rico, extremely diverse. I had Puerto Rican friends. I had Filipino friends. I had mixed friends like me. I had black friends. I had white friends. And so to me, it was just just people. I, I literally never even thought that I was different. And it wasn't until I moved to Washington State where I started to think about it or at least become a little bit more aware of it. And Washington State is, I would say, predominantly white, but there there is diversity there. So I don't want to say that there there's not because there definitely is. I was exposed to, um, you know, Samoan people there and a whole array of other nationalities that I had never experienced in Southern California or in Puerto Rico. But there was one particular situation or one particular person rather, who who was my friend. We were in band together, and he was white and. He dubbed me um, Oreo, and I was like, Oreo? And it's because oh. I was black on the outside and white on the inside. And I just I just mm. didn't understand. So I can't even say that I was upset or that my feelings were hurt. I was confused because I didn't get it. I was like, what do you mean white on the inside? Implying that I, I acted white and... To me, I just, again, I was just very confused at the concept of that because I, I just, I didn't understand what act white meant. I didn't understand what other way that I should have been acting other than how I was acting and how I was raised. Right. Um, and then there was a situation where one of the, you know, I predominantly hung out with, I would say, white and Asian people. I would say, were, I had a small group of girlfriends, and I'd say, people were white. There was one Asian girl, and there was me. And um, that's what I spent most of my time with in junior high. And there was a, a, a boy who liked me, and he happened to be black, and he really liked me. And I didn't really like him, but the, the group of girls that were kind of in his circle, who were also black, um, really didn't like that he liked me, and they, they didn't like me and that was really confusing to me too and i would say as i moved to uh, northern california and i got a little older of course there were things that i started to become more aware of and even as an adult now as i'm saying it i'm like oh yeah there's a whole other array of situations where maybe my race was a determining factor in how someone treated me but because it wasn't anything that was ever brought to my attention. I didn't quite understand. And so even to this day, um, I mean, it's it's a part of who I am, but it's it's not who I am. And I just try to focus on people. And, and maybe I come from a bit of a place of privilege being able to say that because I am a lighter skinned woman. And I know that there is a difference between a lighter skinned black person and a darker skinned black person. Mm-hmm. But that's my personal experience. And I just, you know, I just
0: I just try to focus on people. Yeah. There's no one uh experience that's the same for everybody. And there's I resonate with a lot of what you were saying when I was in college, somebody said that to me as well. I was actually interviewed for a documentary. And it was about mixed race people. And they were asking me, well, if you had to choose. And oh, my gosh. And that, I was like, why do you keep asking me that question? Like, it just felt so strange to me. And I felt really pressured to answer one way or the other. And, and what would that mean if I answered this way or, or that way? And my same question was, why do I keep having to be forced to choose? And in Canada, it's a little bit different. there; They don't have race boxes. It's actually, at least when I was growing up, it was like illegal. You couldn't even ask somebody's race on a form. So moving here was like... Oh my gosh, every single way you go, you have to like choose. So I was just curious, you know, more about your experience, given um, that you grew up, well, internationally in Costa Rica, you said, right? Puerto Rico. Puerto it's, Rico, it's sorry. It's technically
1: a commonwealth. So it's it's. technically oh, right. it is part
0: of the US. a little
1: U.S. property uh, mm-hmm. territory, but um, it has its own culture.
0: Yeah. And actually, I wondered, given your family's Haitian background, considering what's happened now, so we're in mid-July and the, the president, right. the sitting president being assassinated. I don't know if you still have family there or relatives, like how is that translated in your it's family? It's extended family, so it's
1: not anyone that I am um, in direct contact with or close to. And, and this is honestly something that I am actually kind of still going through, learning a little bit more about my, my Haitian background and my, my lineage. For better or worse, <laughs> my father, um, it's funny, he's, he's full Haitian, but he does not identify as a Haitian. He identifies as an American because he grew up here in America, but his all of his older sisters have really thick accents, and some of his eldest sisters actually spent most of their life in Haiti. So there's always been a disconnect there. And so my dad honestly doesn't, because he doesn't identify, he doesn't talk a lot about with me, he doesn't share a lot with me. And so recently in the past year, especially with, you know, the pandemic and everything, and all of us just having more time on our hands to think about things. I've mm-hmm. uh, I've reached out to some of my aunts, actually, and have started to ask more questions. And, you know, I would honestly, I would love to go to Haiti. I've never been, but a lot of my cousins have been and my aunts have been and yeah. So it's it's not a huge topic of discussion in our family right now, for better or worse, but mm-hmm. I definitely would love to find um, some sort of deeper connection with, with my heritage
0: because I know that it is important. Nice. I wondered, and you've kind of touched on it a little bit already with body image. It's a huge topic right now for several reasons and one that I think is good. And I feel like it's facing a true reckoning, kind of particularly in the hearts and minds of I tend to say North American women because the majority of my adult experience was in Canada, but it is similar to the US in that way. And we've been cultured, as you already alluded to, to believing that thin and athletic and quote unquote, perfect is the only way to be. Can you tell us, I guess, a little more about what that's been like for you? And you did touch on it already in, in what you said in the intro. And I guess how the work you do helping women to see their true value in the work that you do, because I feel like that's, that's what you're reinforcing to me anyways. When I interact with you and your posts, like everything you offer online, everything you offer a person is just sort of like, yeah, but what's your value? What's your real worth? And I feel like you have a really strong grasp of that, even if you're still reckoning with it yourself because we're all human. But yeah, just a little bit more on Yeah. On
1: that. So I actually, I've always struggled with being overweight. Um, most of my life, uh, I grew up, you know, on the heavier side as a child. I was picked on quite a bit as a child. And so body image has always been a huge, huge struggle for me. And even when I was my most thin, I was still struggling with it. And it's like, we can never be skinny enough or pretty enough or toned enough or buff enough. It's like there's always going to be that next level of what society tells us needs to be beautiful. It's always going to be changing. And for me, it was just so empty and so inauthentic to be so obsessed with what's on the outside and I know it's not Mm -hmm. easy especially growing up overweight and and being picked on for it I know firsthand how hard it can be and a lot of the media that we see especially on you know Instagram and even just in our marketing it's like we're always seeing these picture-perfect women. I mean, now it's like the big butts are really popular (laughs) now. That's always gonna be something, you know? There was a time when big butts were not the desired thing. And now you have women going through these crazy procedures to have big butts that actually wind up really affecting their their health, which to me is just, it's just not healthy. And so, although it is a struggle, um, I choose to just continually come back to how do I feel? And for me, if I, if I feel mm-hmm. strong and I have energy and I have vitality and I'm making healthy choices in my life, then who cares what it looks like? I mean, it's, it's easier said than done, but I just, I don't focus on it and I, I don't like to focus on it with my clients. I'm not, I don't want to say I'm against weight loss because again, having been on that side, I have gone through a weight loss journey and I do think that there can be value in going through something like that and creating um, or maybe coming to a, a body that you can be happy with. But when you're so focused on the exterior, like I said, there's always going to be something. You know, First it's your waist and then it's mm-hmm. your, your lips and then it's your eyebrows and your hair or whatever. It's like we could we could just keep going forever and ever and ever trying to fix what's on the outside. But if we don't tend to what we fix on the inside, then what we do on the outside is it's not going to matter because there's
0: always going to be something wrong. That's pretty valid. And I think even just about my own self, having been everything from like a size two to like a size 14, I want to think in my in my lifetime in terms of having kids and just fluctuations in, in weight and like modeling at one point and feeling like I just needed to like completely disappear to fit into things. Yeah, you're right. Either way, there was still that work to be done on the outside. And no matter how small I was, I still always had that little nagging voice. So it takes a lot of work.
1: Absolutely, it does. And, and I don't know that it ever goes away, but we can learn to stop listening to it and learn to stop letting it run the show. And as you alluded to, especially as women, we go through so many different seasons and phases of our lives. Our bodies are always changing. You know, mm-hmm. what was healthy and fit for me in my 20s is not the same as what's healthy and fit for me in my 30s. And it'll change yeah. you know, and in my 40s, I'm in my 50s and in my 60s and um, just giving ourselves that grace to go through those changes and
0: being okay with the bodies that we have because we only get one. Yeah, it's true. We've got to treat it well. You did a digital detox this weekend. Did you have a chance to kind of, because the listeners can't see you, <laughs> but I can see you and you're just like glowing. Oh, you always look beautiful true. to me, but you're, you are literally glowing from the inside out. And I'm curious if you had some major breakthroughs this weekend or any other ones in your life that you'd be willing to share with us as not necessarily as a result of a digital detox, but that's probably part of it. But more, I guess the emphasis I'm looking for is when you're really focusing on that inner work instead of that, outer body and the outer experiences and what happens online and stuff like that what are some of the things that have come up for you or you've realized about yourself
1: yeah so there's been many along the way I guess I'll start with the most recent because that's the one that's coming through the most right now and that was the breathwork training that I did this weekend and I chose to also unplug completely Mm -hmm. not just from social media but I actually turned my phone off completely. (laughs) It was about 50 hours. And um, my biggest takeaway for the weekend, you know, this practice is based on spiritual psychology, very interesting stuff when you really get into it. But as much as they shared, and as much as they taught, for me, it always came down and actually just posted about the state to two things. And that is love and trust. And it was just so simple and so Mm. clear. And it was funny because on the first day of our facilitator training, we are given the chance to go into breakout rooms and do a session with a partner. And I remember being so nervous and in my head and second guessing myself and doubting myself and oh, am I doing this wrong? Am I doing this good enough? And I was so in my head and the, our facilitator, he addressed this, he and she was a married couple they address this in day two. And it was just so silly how I made it so much about me when really what I'm offering through the breathwork sessions is not about me. And as long as I show up and love this person, I really can't do any wrong. And so the second day, I really made a conscious choice like, okay, I'm just going to choose love. I'm not going to engaged with the voices in my head. I'm just going to keep choosing love. And when we went into our breakout rooms and we did our sessions, I just chose to love this woman. I was partnered with as much as I could. And I received so much love back from everyone that was in this container with me. And when I was in my session, my partner was facilitating and I was on the receiving end. At one point she said, I love you. And it just hit my heart. And I was like, wow, if this complete, total stranger can love me, I think I can love me too. <laughs> and so that was just very, very profound. And that's maybe part of the glow that you're seeing is just coming to that realization. And again, this is based on a bit of spiritual psychology. And so that was really interesting too. And ultimately it's just, we are not just our bodies. You know, We are our spiritual beings as well. And that was really eye-opening for me to wrap my head around and to come to the realization that we aren't just our bodies. And so it makes sense that I'm feeling called to do more of this inner work and offer more of this inner work Mm -hmm. because I'm coming to this awareness like, oh, I'm I'm actually not just my body. And when my body is gone, I will still be here. I might be in some other realm or some other form, but I will still be here in spirit. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah huge,
0: huge shift out of this weekend. It was very powerful. I fully believe that. I'm a big believer in that, that are just based on my own experiences and like what I wrote about my book and stuff. It's, I love it when those of us who are still living can just get that such strong sense of that and just know, and to be able to let go of the the fear. There's so much fear and Mm -hmm. containment in the body. I like that you mentioned, you know, the physicality of the body, like It is kind of just a body. We place so much importance on that body and what it looks like and how long it lives and this and that. And that's part of it. Like that's part of the wellness component. But for me now, the older I get, it's more about treating that container for this spirit better so that we can just live like our fullest life while we're here. Because I do believe our consciousness does go on and just... Manifest into something else, I hope. We'll find like out. A tree in my, in my last, next life, you know, like so, something else. But I don't want to go too woo-woo on people. But yeah, I love that you brought that up. And then, so speaking of the body, I wanted to also talk to you about hustle entrepreneurship because being an entrepreneur, we, you and I have talked many times offline about the challenges of doing what we do and like running from one teaching gig to the next. And it's like all over the city and then also doing our own work, but figuring out how to balance our hopes and dreams with the commitments we have, you know, to our employers, contractors, whoever they may be, but also growing our own business, giving back in community. So I know that's a lot, but what are some of the things you've learned based on your experience that might help others who are also listening and they're trying to figure out like, you know, their body can't be in 10 places at once. So what are some things you have <laughs> learned to, I know we can never really master anything, but help maybe make it a little less challenging.
1: For me, I come to the realization, especially over this past year, lots of realizations in this past year. <laughs> it's not only okay to prioritize myself, but it's like 1000% necessary to prioritize myself. And I always like to go to the teacup analogy. You know, if you have a a teacup and you're pouring into the teacup and then you want to go pour someone else, some of your tea, it's going to be a lot easier to pour from the overflow of that cup. If you just keep filling your cup over and over and it starts to flood out Mm -hmm. into the other cups, Mm -hmm. as opposed to you tipping your cup and trying to pour into other people's cups. And when we do that, we, we risk a chance of falling over and, and cracking or breaking. And I, I always use that one because it's just such a perfect metaphor. And that's really one thing that I lean into now. I block out um, mornings completely for myself every morning. I give myself at least, honestly, at least two or three hours before I'm on my phone. I am a highly sensitive person and I really feel like I need that time in the morning to show up in the way that I want to show up. So I give myself that time. My love language is also quality time. So it makes sense that I like to give myself that, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't schedule calls before 10am. I don't take calls past a certain time. And I'm not perfect. Don't get me wrong. I I go in and out. You know, I'm a recovering workaholic, honestly. So yeah, it's just, it's, so silly how we think we need to sacrifice ourselves for the sake of our clients or our employers or you know even our families and our friends and we we just we don't have to we've been conditioned that way but we don't have to and not taking care of yourself is not only a disservice to yourself but it's a disservice to the people around you because if you're not showing up full and overflowing and in your best self then you're really not going to be the best that you could be to your kids or your family or your even your employer and so for me i just i always go back to that you know self-care is not selfish it's it's a responsibility a divine responsibility that we all hold again to ourselves and to those around us to to take care of ourselves so Mm -hmm. i definitely recommend anyone who's on that entrepreneurial journey like forget the hustle grind culture you know I I did that for a long time and I don't want to say it didn't get me anywhere but I've actually gotten much further in my new adventures working in this more
0: feminine way than I ever did with what I was doing before Mm -hmm. honestly yeah I think that authenticity of self has the chance to come out instead of just responding and reacting to whatever the situation is. And a phrase I use a lot sometimes in my corporate life, like which has been long, like 20 years, is I call it a knee-jerk reaction, right? So when you see companies kind of like, oh, this thing happens, so we have to like fix it right away. And so they do this thing, but it wasn't really the right thing. And so then another thing happens another, and they're constantly course correcting. Whereas if we could just you know, kind of be ourselves and be really honest about the situation at hand. No matter who we are, what company we work for, whether it's our own or like a megacorp, I kind of feel like we'd make better decisions overall. We're not just rushing to judgment and rushing to figure out the perfect answer without giving it the time and attention it it deserves. So that's valid for entrepreneurship too.
1: Absolutely. Can I add one more thing to that too? Oh go ahead, yeah. Um, Yeah. Another thing would be to to ask for help Mm -hmm. and especially in my first business, I felt like I had to do everything by myself. And I still, you know, I'm still a solo entrepreneur. So I still do majority of my work-related things, but I would take on all of my work and then would come home and also like felt like I needed to meal prep the whole week for me. And he was my boyfriend at the time, but now husband and I needed to clean the house. And, you know, he was like, why don't you just, if you need help, just ask. And I was like, wow. <laughs> and so <now laughs> I have no trouble asking for help. And he might say, ask for a little bit too much. help. <laughs> but um,
0: like, thanks for making that a little easier for me. Totally.
1: But yeah, it's okay to ask for help. And whether that's with your, your family, sharing some responsibilities you might have around the house or Asking someone to, to watch the kids, or um, you know, asking your employer for some time off. Like I've I've done that before for some of my recent employers. Like you know, I I really need a break. Just letting people know when you when you need help and when you need space. It's it's okay. And if they really love you, and I suspect that if they are in your life, hopefully that they do. They will um, they'll respect your boundaries. And when you ask people for help and state your needs you give other people the permission to do the
0: same Mm -hmm. oh my goodness you just rang in on a point to sometimes asking for help also really feels good to that person because they're like wow they're trusting me with this thing however big or small and you can sense you know when people come to you and ask for help and they're really vulnerable you're like yes I can do that thing and if you can then just be upfront and be like you know what whatever it is I can't help you out but just having that authentic exchange, I feel like it actually really helps the person who's being asked to to feel like, you know, they're validated in their role as somebody important in your life that you're trusting with this too. So it's it's kind of thinking about how reciprocity works. And they'll just be like, okay, I, I know. And it's not necessarily about you owe them something. I don't mean to put it in that way. But it's just like, that's how relationships work. People can authentically say, I need help with something Would you me, and it can be a delightful thing and not a burden. I know I always worry, I'm like, I'm gonna burden somebody if I ask them for help and reframing that in your mind to not necessarily make it all about that or make it a negative thing. I wanted to ask you, cause I know you're always listening, reading, watching, uh, observing things. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be digital, but it can be. But is there something you've seen or heard or read lately that's really opened something up for you, led you to discover something new or been inspirational or helpful in your life in some way. Yeah, so
1: I feel like I'm, I'm you're right, I'm always taking in all sorts of information in, mm-hmm. in many different mediums. And I gathered a few that have kind of been the most profound in the past year. And one book that I, I really recommend everyone to read, but especially women is Untamed um, by Glennon Doyle. <sighs> Very good. Very, very good. And she actually has a podcast now too. I was just listening to this morning called we can do hard things. And um, wow, she's very revolutionary in her way of thinking she's to me, she's right up there with like Oprah and Brene Brown. Um, So I definitely recommend checking that out. Like I said, she kind of goes, the basis of what a lot of she shares is about the way women show up or rather don't show up and Lives and how um, we've been so conditioned to be small and be nice and be quiet and um, yeah, I, mm. I just love the messages that she's putting out right now because she's really encouraging women to to step into their truth and their power and to just claim your own you you know not based off of what everyone else tells you mm-hmm. you should do or what you need to do and just standing in your own truth so. Glennon Doyle for sure. Um, Another woman who has been really profound for me, more so on the entrepreneurial journey, I guess a little bit on the spiritual journey too, is a woman named Kathy Heller, and she has a podcast called "Don't Keep Your Day Job," and she does have a couple books too. And um, she's a a spiritual entrepreneur, if you will. And that was so eye-opening for me to see how I could start to interweave my spirituality and my business and. I definitely recommend that to anyone who resonates with she has tons of amazing guests on and all of the podcasts always have takeaways at the end. And it's a really good one to listen to, especially if you're on that entrepreneurial journey. And then the last one I'll share is actually a documentary on Netflix and it's called in our mother's gardens. And it's about Mm. black women and their mothers and it's about holistic health and healing and self care and what all of that means for a Black woman and how much of a struggle it can be to cultivate those things as a Black woman. And that one brought tears to my eyes. And it actually inspired me to call my aunt and find out a little bit more about my lineage.
0: So yeah, definitely a beautiful documentary. I recommend checking out too. Oh, I need to watch that. Is is Alice Walker in it? Do they take quotes from Alice Walker, the writer? I'm just curious because I feel like she has a book that I've read by her with the same name, and so now I'm like, oh, and she had anyway. It may not be, but you'd it's, have to tell um, me. I'm not it sure. About- it, was,
1: it was really good though, mm-hmm. very very touching and um, okay. very eye opening too, especially as a, a woman of color. Just um, just to, just to mm-hmm. be aware of what are the limitations and some of the the limiting beliefs that have been passed down to Black women about prioritizing themselves and
0: self care. And um, I think it's an important one, too. Yeah. Okay. Those are all really good. I'm going to list those in the show notes and in the posts for this so that people can track them down. And you're probably the, I want to say, third or fourth person who's told me about that Glennon Doyle it's book really good. in the last year. So I'm like, okay, I have to do it. I've, I've heard her talk on other podcasts, but I haven't yet read her book. So need to do that. Very, very, very good book. <laughs> so for anyone, it's kind of a dual question. And I'm pretty sure I know the answer to at least part of it. But have you had a coach or coaches that have really impacted your life? And if so, what are some of the things you learned from them? And then the second part of it being you do coaching as well. So for people who are interested in learning more about that in terms of health and fitness, what does that look like? And and what does the coaching relationship look like? look like um, for people who might reach out to you?
1: Sure. So for me, I guess on the coaching side, I've gone through coaching programs for a half marathon. I've done that twice. That was really helpful just to be in community. Mm-hmm. And then most of my coaching experiences, aside from that, have been mostly for business, I will say. But really just having any person, any type of coach to help you um, be accountable and to kind of reflect off of can be a really valuable tool in um, any kind of journey that you find yourself in, whether it's a life coach, or, um, you know, a, a spiritual coach, or a, a physical fitness coach, or a health coach, or wherever it is, you're feeling like you need support. It's it's a really good tool. For me, it was Game Changer. And it was with a, a business coach, a woman named Natasha Palumbo. And she's local here in Sacramento. She works at the um, women's, um, oh, Capital California. I'm totally blanking on the second part of the nonprofit organization, but Capital California. And she's also a professor uh, at Sac State. And she also incorporates her spirituality into her business. And so I guess before I went into um, Kathy Heller's business program, I worked with uh, Natasha. And she was one who kind of made me open up to that idea. And also, really, to um, knowing thyself. And understanding myself. I I thought I knew who I was before I did one of her programs. It was a four-week series called The Empowered Entrepreneur. And um, yeah, I I realized there was a lot of stuff I, I didn't know about myself coming out of that program. And again, just having someone to share knowledge and their experiences that's a little bit further down the road than you are can really be a very powerful tool. And as far as, um, coaching on the other end, when I'm, I'm coaching, I predominantly, I enjoy working with women and that's just, that's honestly mostly who comes to me and that's most who I feel most comfortable with. So it's not that I'm against men, but like even in my classes and stuff like it's it's mostly women. So, (laughs) so I just, I just step into working with women And I do holistic health coaching and, you know, as as I've expressed a couple times on the podcast, I am really trying to push forward um, a, a method or a way or a message that is not just focused on physical fitness and the exterior. Physical fitness is a huge component of it, absolutely. And I'm not saying it doesn't have value, but the programs that I'm creating now Are not just focused on fitness we're doing reflection we're doing some inner work we're doing some breath work we're doing some meditation we're doing some healing and even really like your environment and your relationships and your community and even like your your home like what is your home like and is it is your home set up in a way to help you have a healthy life and so What I like to do um, is support women in getting clear on where they're sort of out of balance. So to say I have seven pillars of holistic health that have been the most impactful for me along my journey. And so I will walk women through these seven pillars and we will kind of evaluate where is the most out of balance. Off of that information, we will create a 30 day wellness program to help them just kind of reset and get back on track. And then we'll do weekly calls and those weekly calls will be dependent upon the women because although I have a a format that I follow, I don't have like a cookie cutter program that I give Mm -hmm. to every single woman because we're all so different. And yeah, that just, I can't do that. (laughs) So I really like to sit down with a woman and find out what are her needs what are her preferences you know it's important to me that women have positive experiences with their health and wellness journey not to say there aren't going to be challenges because there most definitely will uh, but specifically for exercises um, creating movements that women um, enjoy or encouraging them to do movements that they they enjoyed i always like to use this example of running and you know, I've had clients say, "Well, I hate running." I'm like, "Well, great. Then you don't have to run. Like, there's so many other things you can do for cardio. <laughs> like, that's totally fine." And so, I, I really like to create sort of a one of the kind program for a woman um, to use and just bringing a little bit more health and harmony into her
0: life. No, I like that. As different as we all are, we all have a different approach to the way we're going to approach our wellness. Absolutely. From the inside out, mm-hmm. right? I, I kind of feel like that's the way that, that you're approaching that. Do you have, I know we have an event coming up on, is it August the 8th? Yes, it <laughs> is. Know that eight, eight. Mm-hmm. Yes, this will air before then. So do you want to tell listeners a little bit about what they can expect there? And Any other events that you have coming up, whether it's to do with hooping, other wellness events, just things you've got going on solo. Just doesn't have to be about you and me. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So um, I do have a hoop class coming up, not this weekend, but next weekend. And so I, I don't know that I'll air before then, but I do always have those popping up throughout the summer. So all of those can be found on my website. And the one that you mentioned coming up on August 8th, I'm really excited about that one. It's a new moon retreat. And another aspect that I really love working into my health and wellness routine is working with the moon cycles, um, especially as women, we are deeply connected to the moon and our cycles are actually synced up with the moon, which is like. For that's a whole nother conversation, <laughs> but um, it's something that I've been playing with, and um, I didn't mention it in the question prior, but that is something I also like to incorporate in the coaching as well is not just the moon cycles, but our, our menstrual health mm-hmm. as well. It's a, it's a huge key in it. Going back to the event, um, it's going to be on the new moon, and so the new moon is all about setting intentions and calling in. And so, going back to that holistic experience, we're going to be doing a little bit of everything, we'll do some breath work. We'll do some yoga, which yeah, you'll be leading us through, Megan. We'll have a sound healing as well. Um, and at this one, because it's a little bit of a longer retreat, we'll have um, a brunch bar too. It's on a Sunday. And so I was really excited to have a new moon on a Sunday. They're always during the week. And I like to do it on the new moon. So I thought once it was on a Sunday, I was like, oh, we have to do one of the, the larger retreats. And that one is the half day retreat. It's four hours. That'll be happening at William Lynn Park. We'll do a clarity ritual as well, and then we'll do like an intention setting ritual at the end. And it's always just so magical to to encircle with women and to soak up some of that that moon magic with them. So I'm really excited about that one. Yeah,
0: and I'll put it in the show notes. But your website is it'sarevolution.com. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. Or dot Dot com dot no, .com? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. com. OK, and I will be sure to include that because I know you put everything up there as soon as you have all the things ready. And I loved the new just like on a personal note, the last new moon one we did was so beautiful. It was like what 100 and something degrees. And yet everything worked out. It just the women showed up who needed to be there. And for me personally, even though it was facilitating, like I wasn't there you know, fully, my whole world is blown up (laughs) since then in the best possible way. Like I just, I still did the intention setting with everybody that you, you know, you led us through that. I'm telling you, there is something to aligning your thoughts, your intentions, your practices, who you surround yourself with on these things. And, and, And it almost feels like practical to me, like this is not woo woo, like this, had a lasting impact on my actual life. And it's beautiful. I mean, people need to know that I, it doesn't have to be in a retreat format, but it just know that, that intention setting and like working, you know, within yourself. But I think it helps to, to work with someone like you who can kind of help guide us through like, Oh, did you know, this is a really great date to, <laughs> to do stuff like this. You know, it's not just about getting together in community. Cause that is really important too, but aligning it with those dates pretty profound, I have to say. So thank you for introducing that to all of us.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. I, I love sharing some of that moon magic. And it's very powerful stuff. It's been really powerful for me and my journey too. And once you get into all of the different cycles, there's there's technically eight different cycles of the moon. We hear about two the most, but you can work with four. You, you could work with all eight, but it might be overwhelming. But anyway, what I love most about working with the moon cycles is it's a really nice framework for for goal setting and for creating things in your life. It's very cyclical as opposed to just like go, 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 go all the time. The moon cycles actually give us permission to have a week where we we rest and we take it easy and we let go of things that aren't serving us. And then you have a week where you're setting your intentions that, you know, are going to move you forward to where you want to be. And then you have a week where you're like doing all the action that goes with it. And so it makes so much sense. It's so counterintuitive. Well, it's not counterintuitive. It's, it's very feminine, but it's so different from what we're, told and that we have to just go, go, go and do all the time. It's, it's, it's not sustainable. And so the moon cycles make perfect sense to me because it allows you to have more of that cyclical nature and not feeling like you need to just go all the time.
0: Yeah. And just, yeah, go with that ebb and flow of how things are happening in the universe. And when you can align yourself with that, Easy. how much different, right? How much more, mm-hmm. um, I guess, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Things just flow. It's a little easier. <laughs> there's, there's
1: a couple more coming up too later in the year. Um, in September, we're going to be doing our fall equinox retreat at retreat <laughs> and that will be in Nevada city, which is about an hour and a half away from Sacramento. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that one. That one's going to be two days and two, maybe three nights, just depending on what we decide. It's all, coming together, but that'll be up on my website by the end of the month. And then in October, we're gonna be doing a women's empowerment retreat. And that one's gonna be most likely, maybe a little bit longer than a half day retreat locally here in Sacramento. And then I'm also looking forward to a winter solstice retreat too. And I'm still deciding location for that. And then of course, there'll be some smaller pop-up things throughout that as
0: well. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Just like going with the seasons, like you're hitting on all the things that are coming up. So I'm already looking so forward to either helping facilitate when you need, but also to just attend myself and share with other people because I know they're going to have a great time. So we'll post about that as those events come up too, like on our Instagram and on the website and. I just want to thank you so much for taking this time because I know you work really hard and it's just been precious to have this time with you and just give some voice to the amazing things you're doing in the community. It's been phenomenal. Okay. Every event that we've done together has like sold out and I know all the ones you've been doing on your own have been selling out and doing great. You've already had the overnight retreat experience. So I think your, your ideas and the things you're bringing forward are are really resonating with a need in our community and with people responding to that. So just thank you for being such a beacon and for having me involved in in whatever small Mm, way I can contribute to that and be part of it. So it's been a, a real pleasure to have you.
1: Yeah, thank you for seeing me, Megan. And thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. And I'm always down to share my journey always. So thanks again.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. So just in closing, I wanted to... Thank listeners again for tuning in with us because I know taking time to listen to a podcast takes your time, takes your energy. So I hope you are listening closely and allowing yourself to expand exponentially. It's always a great time for your mind to be on the mat. This podcast is written and produced by me, Megan Morgan. Podcast editing by Wanda Abney. Podcast music graciously provided by freesound.org and specifically the artists Valentin Tosnitsky and Smack 9.99. We'll see you next time.